0: You're listening, listening to the HR, HR Mixed. Mixed. your podcast with the perfect mix of practical advice, thought provoking interviews, and stories that just hit different so that work doesn't have to feel, well, like work. Now, your host, Sherry Simpson.
1: Joining me today is Woodry Burrich, CEO and founder of The Integration Group an award-winning thought leader, author, Forbes Coaches Council member, and TEDx speaker. Woodry is known for her proprietary approach to setting boundaries and building sustainable strategies in fast-paced and high-demand environments. She brings 20 years of experience as a senior leader and change management expertise working with Fortune 500 companies on global tech projects and billion-dollar merger and acquisition work you thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today thanks sherry happy to be here you are my first interview here at Sherm inclusion um, and I was so excited to have you and bring you on and so let's kind of dig in right away so given your ever evolving hybrid world that we're all in do you think that you know water cooler chats have simply been replaced by a series of can you hear me or are you on un- you are in new moments. I feel like maybe we're in this space right now. I'm curious your perspective. Yeah, such a great question.
0: So I think where we are is it's it's a challenge, right? This whole Zoom virtual Teams meeting ongoing, whether it's Amazon Chime or whatever tool we're using, you know, we're kind of stuck in this perpetual, almost superficial transactional modes, I think that we're getting into. and. We need to be intentional as leaders, as managers, as supervisors, and as team members, as well as organizations to really have and cultivate intentional conversations, right? So that that very short transactional piece is not the norm. I love that. There's nothing worse than getting on a Zoom
1: call now and getting that like fake couple minutes of like how's your day? How are your kids? And you just you kind of know you're going through the motions. So I love that you know you have a kind of proprietary approach that really emphasizes setting boundaries. So how do we strike that balance between I'm here for you 24/7 per se um, or sorry, hey, I'm clocked out. Like, it, there's definitely been this switch. I think as we've gone through the pandemic and coming out of it, or you know, into an endemic, I'd rather say, is that I think a lot of people went into that 24/7 mode, and
0: now we're trying to back out and to have boundaries. How do we how do we manage that? Yeah, totally. So one of the things that I find, and we see this with the research, right, is the vast majority of when we went home and we started working from home, we're working more hours. <laughs> right? All the research points to that. And we can see that with productivity. If we if we look at the productivity, our productivity by working at home is actually either the same or increased, right? is many of the things that we're seeing in the organizations, I, I believe Johnny mentioned that on, the, on one of the first days, or I can't remember who mentioned that. Um, but anyway, when we look at that, we can see it is hard for us to switch off. And so I think we really need to start looking at creating what we call cultures of permission, preemptive permission, normalizing, right? I was just in a wonderful workshop on mental health initiatives in this space and and how to support taking a break and honoring that within our teams. And there's, there's an individual aspect that we have with work boundaries, but there's also an organizational structural workflow piece that we really need to start addressing that cultivates those cultures of permission that supports the individual to take a break that recognizes and identifies, hey, I noticed by the way, Sherry, you worked until three o'clock this afternoon. Have you taken a break? Or the simplicity of you remember way back when, when we were in school, sometimes the teacher would let us out and they would they would say, oh, we're gonna have an outside day today, right? Why not have creativity meetings, right? Not every single meeting can be this way, but why not have meetings where there's no visuals on Zoom, there's no, there's no on-sign cameras. It's it's all we're taking walk strings and we're gonna have, somebody's gonna take notes, we can rotate turns, something along those lines to get some movement in our body and help our ergonomic shoulders and all the pain that we're taking from sitting at our desk all day, right? You know, so so there's so many steps we can take with boundaries from both a tactile perspective as well as a strategic, intentional perspective from, from organizations.
1: What do you say to those managers, and I, I am guilty of this, so I'm putting myself in the same category, Of those of us who have found a rhythm that maybe we do work at night, you know, maybe we're sitting down and we actually, you know, we kind of do those mundane reply to emails, some of that rote tasks that we have to do, we might do it in front of the TV, and we're sending these emails out 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. We know our intent, intent, right, is not that somebody's going to read that and respond, but let's be real, right? If you have employees, they might see that and think, I need to respond, Oh, Sherry's working at 10 o'clock at night, should I be working? The only way to advance in my company is if I show up this way. How do we coach those managers to realize the impact that they're having?
0: So many ways. Right? One, have the conversation. We need to have the conversations and we need to talk about the impact that our actions are having on others, especially if we hold leadership positions or positions of power. And utilizing delay delivery, we have the technology, right? Utilizing delay delivery whenever possible. However, I have talked, I remember a CEO mentioned to me one time that they did that, they did delay delivery until Monday morning at eight o'clock, but then they got a slew of emails back and they said, oh, this doesn't work. I said, okay, great. You know, it's good to recognize, right? We have, so sometimes we need to adapt it. We need to recognize that. But I think really having and cultivating conversations within the teams and having expectations, and we need to recognize collectively that we're doing too much, right? Until we really acknowledge that and identify that and really start to address that, From a workflow perspective, from a manageable workflow, um, when we look at manageable workflows, when we look at people who are consistently working 55-plus hour weeks, and we look at the International Labor Organization, who says excessively long workers' hours are 48 hours or more per week, and the average U.S. worker works 49 hours per week per Gallup from 2014, and since we've had the pandemic, they say, on average, we're working two to three hours more per day, so we really have to work work on identifying that we have a problem in our work worlds. How
1: does human resources, you know, put the human back in human resources? And what I mean by that is focusing more in intention on building community, building connection, and still reaching deliverables, right? Like we all still
0: have to meet our business goals. Ah, full on. So the first piece is I believe people need to process and slow down a little bit, especially with the advent of AI. Right? We need to start cultivating and honoring stri- strategic space in our work environments, or focus time. I have had different clients call it different things, focus time, strategic space, thinking time. It is very rare for us as individuals to have uninterrupted work time. Right between we were talking about it before, right? Whether you look at Teams or whether or not look at Slack channels or whether or not you look at, you know, Teams channels or you know, little instant messages or who knows, maybe some of us have two cell phones, right? That's not uncommon, especially in leadership positions, too. Sometimes three cell phones, right? So with all of this bombardment and all of this interruption, how can we support workflows that honor focus time? so that we can have some of that downtime and quiet space is really what we need. Quiet space to just think strategically and creatively, and then that is gonna foster that inner connection that we have with ourselves, support and solidify that emotional regulation that we sometimes need in conflict-oriented situations, and or just the ability to be present with someone versus that transactional conversation we spoke about a little bit before, right? How do I connect in? I connect in by connecting inside me first. I connect with you because I'm connected here. And there's really only two ways to get that right, time and space. What's the neuroscience behind that? I know that there's
1: a lot of research out there around you know, how our brains respond to different things in our environments and the ways we work and how that actually makes us feel engaged.
0: Um, and ultimately retained by an organization. Yeah, so the two studies and the two kind of book spaces, the two pieces of research, I should say, that I really look at is research around mindfulness and meditation. There's so much in that space. Now, that said, I will say that some of my clients, they do not like breathing exercises. They do not like mindfulness and meditation, and that is totally cool. There is other tools that you can utilize. Um, that said, it's a very easy access point for the vast majority of people. Um, and if you're neuro divergent or something like that, work with a certified meditation teacher because there are so many good alternatives and approaches. Some of my clients utilize qigong, for example, as an option or tai chi because you still get the meditative benefits, but you have some movement option in there. So it kind of helps calm the mind while we still have that physical movement, which is also great if you're dealing with any kind of chronic back pain like I've dealt with before. So my point is the research around that is really on focus and attention. And if we think about the one thing we always bring into our work environments, it's our minds, right? We always bring our minds to work. (laughs) They they do great work for us. So really doing that weight training, if you will, on providing ourselves that relaxed, quiet space and meditative space if that's your thing, or breathing exercises, just breathing exercises, not even meditation or mindfulness-based exercises, just breath work alone. Harvard Medical School talks about how it quells and alleviates the stress response, right? So That's one piece. My favorite book on that subject, if you wanna look in the meditation mindfulness realm, is the work by Dr. Amishi Jha, J-H-A, and she's out of Florida. She's phenomenal and works with military military branches, and, and she's really gotten a lot of great, great recognition for her work in that space. And her book is called Peak Mind, fantastic. And then the other area, besides the focus and attention that I like to look at, is this space around multitasking. And multitasking is so fascinating. <laughs> you know, the research around multitasking, the concept that we actually pulled that from back in the 1960s, I think we, we started a dual processor, you know, computer and said, oh, it's, it's multitasking. Oh, we can do that, but we only have one brain, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, the reality is we can't multitask. We task switch and we do it very rapidly. And that exhausts us at the end of the day. So every single time we're getting a notification, Every single time we're getting that little message, every single time we get distracted by somebody at our cube or somebody at our desk or wherever we are, right, that's hard. We get a lot of exhaustion from that at the end of the day, and we need to find ways at an organizational level to stop that bombardment. And if you look at the research on multitasking, I think this is really fascinating, not only from a cognitive capacity, but also from an emotional capacity and emotional regulation, right? So some of the research shows with multitasking, if you consistently multitask really a whole lot, it really impacts it, the parts of the brain that control not only cognitive control, but emotional control. And so when we look at conflict, or we when, when we look at having those difficult conversations in the workplace, and needing that peace, and needing that composure, that comes emotional regulation and cognitive control, which is directly impacted by how much we're multitasking or not. I, I felt that in my soul
1: when you were saying that, because I think about the times that I've been home. So I work remote, and you know, you'll know, you have those days where you have 30-minute meetings back to back to back, and then my spouse might come in and ask me a completely benign question, and he gets a very emotional reaction, and that makes so much sense to me, because Really has less to do with whatever he asked me, and more to do with what's happening through my work environment. How do we become more cognizant of that? I mean, sometimes we're just stuck in that situation where we have to have the meetings. But is there things we can do inside those Zoom meetings, team meetings, etc., to make them more productive, more positive, um, help us, you know, uh, work through some of those those challenges you mentioned?
0: Yeah, so good, Sherry. So, uh, permission, expectations. And setting expectations and renegotiating expectations, right? We can always renegotiate expectations, right? Um, and then conversations. We need to start having real conversations. People need to be educated on the research in this space, and we can feel it, right? We can feel it. I. I lead with a lot of research because I work with organizations that are in the tech industry and healthcare industry and a lot of data-driven financial sector. And so when I work with individuals who are very, very data-driven, and I'm data-driven because I come from tech, (laughs) you know, I really lead with that. But we don't really need that. If we check in with our bodies and we look at our families and we look at our communities, we can see we're hurting. We can see we need to slow down. We can see that we need to shift how we are working because this is not working. <laughs> if, if it was wellness that was gonna get us through this with $50 billion a year that we spend on it, it would have fixed the problem a long time ago. The, the problem is not just wellness. It is our work stru- workflow structures that need to shift and we need to get real about it. So I want to get personal for a minute.
1: How do you do this in your life, right? We're sitting here, um, you're speaking, you're traveling, you're talking to different people. How are you setting boundaries um, to make sure that, that you know, you can stay your most authentic self as you go through if you go through work.
0: Yeah, thanks Sherry. (laughs) You know, um, well, all my clients know this. Everybody who talks to me knows this. I did not get into this work because I had it all figured out, right? (laughs) I got into this work because I desperately needed boundaries for myself. That's really the truth of it. When I was in my 20s, I worked absolutely crazy hour weeks. I had massive chronic back pain. It was a real problem, and I didn't know how to support myself in the work world. My parents had their own business; they they were wonderful role models in so many ways for me. The one thing they did not know, and they've told me this very openly, we have such a great relationship. I'm so grateful for that. But they're very clear; they're like, "Oh my gosh, I wish that we had you." A dream, like, well, I am made because of watching you, right? I didn't want to repeat that because it was exhausting. I saw my parents; they. You know, I'd be watching TV, and we'd be watching TV as a family, and my mom would check out about halfway through the movie because she had to work, right? And I didn't want that, but I didn't know how to get out of it because I was, that, was, that was the only way I knew how to do it, right? You work, you work harder. And that is the motto that many of us live by, but there is a law of diminishing returns on that. And for me, it came because my physical body said no more. And so I had to find tools and I was very scared, right? How am I going to professionally set boundaries for myself? I didn't even know that term back then, right? But in essence, how do I tend to myself sustainably and still meet all my work demands? I was very scared, right? Because I was on the, the, the ladder up to the top and I was like, oh no, this is not working. I was so mad at my body at the time. I was so mad. And then I reflect now and I'm so grateful for that journey because it forced me It forced me to set boundaries, and here's the crazy thing. When I started setting my boundaries, I was doing it just because I needed to survive. I got better at my job, and that blew my mind. I was like, what? Wait, I don't understand this. And and so then I kind of had to catch up a little bit, and I had to say, well, why is that? Why, how did that happen? Like, like, how did I get better? Because, I, no offense, but I mean, like, like not to brag, but I was pretty good at my job to begin with. So when I got better, I was like, whoa, this is kind of weird. And and then people started asking me, right? They started asking me, how are you doing this, Woodry? And at first, I started working with nonprofits. I would just go and speak and say, hey, let's raise some money, and I'll come and talk on this. And then I realized, oh, I can actually do this for a living. And I love the work I do. I love supporting people and organizations and really... Really deep diving into the depths of where this can go, yeah. So as we
1: wrap our conversation, and if I gave you a you know a crystal ball for time, how do you see the next five years? And maybe that's a little dramatic. I don't know that we talk in five years anymore, but you know how do you see the future dynamics of connection and engagement really evolving in the workplace, especially with the advancements in tech and shifting in work paradigms? Some of the things we've talked about.
0: I think there are gonna be individuals and organizations who really get it, and those are the people who are gonna slow down, realize, oh my gosh, we're moving too fast. Because the reality is our decisions can come quickly, but it doesn't mean that that's the right decision. And until we start slowing ourselves down enough to recognize the impact that we are having on others, intention and impact, you know, we need some space to really see and witness what we're doing. And for me, I think the younger generation, I'm so excited. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know those guys, they're you know, I'm excited. They're powerful and they're brave and they're ready to go in many ways that I don't think we are aware of yet. And I get excited and inspired by the younger generations and they're gonna demand it. They already are. They're demanding change. And we are either going to get on board or we're not and we're gonna be left behind. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So thank you so much for
1: spending a few minutes to chat with me. This was a great conversation and I'm excited about some of the things that you that you shared.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Sherry. So happy we are thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can can find find show notes and links at thehrmixtape.com. Come back often and please subscribe, rate, and review.